Welcome to May Contain Violence, a podcast that appreciates all things horror. I've got a friend with me today. Hello, friend. It's me. I'm the friend. Uh, I'm Emma. Um, my background is mostly in the theater, although I was a, a student for a while, uh, film, media, cultural studies student, and I, I've worked mostly now in the front or back of house coordination gigs for a lot of Toronto performance and a lot of screening venues uh, in the city. And now uh, I am, I'm still working, although working from home and uh, it's in arts administration or arts worker adjacent uh, administration for a trades union. So uh, hooray, trying to keep the, the cultural sector alive uh, fairly. Yeah. Yeah, and it's uh, indefinite need in our city right now with um, some closures happening um, theater-wise and cinema-wise. Yeah, um, it's a sad time. It's sad, but uh, everybody is trying their best. So uh, content like this, what you're doing here today. <laughs> bringing the culture back to the city. Always. Um, <laughs> to crime. Uh, Emma and I have known each other for a number of years now, and we're big movie fans and have recently started watching movies I don't know, last few years now we've been going to the theater just as a, as a group. Yes, absolutely. Uh, I think in the last couple of years, there's been a definite upswing. Uh, you are wonderfully uh, persistent in getting me to be social because <laughs> maybe maybe it's biased. Maybe like a lot of horror fans, I kind of isolate myself to my you know the films I enjoy, but it's been uh, it's been a real treat getting to to share that experience, and I don't think I would be, you know, half half excited as I I am now knowing that I have a little group to to share what Toronto has going on with. It's not just something I get to keep to myself anymore. I can uh, we get to go out and well we used to go out in the before times uh, and experience that together, but thanks to Teleparty not sponsoring you, uh, <laughs> movie nights you could have at home. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean, it didn't even start out with just horror. I think we were just going to any type of, uh, a, a lot of it was like 80s movies or anime. Uh, but then it just kind of got more and more into horror. And then that segued into our online viewing parties, which have been almost exclusively horror. Thank you, Netflix. Yes. yes thank you, Netflix Canada. Also not a sponsor yet. <laughs> um and uh and then and then recently uh uh getting together at uh, someone's house to watch it and um it's been a lot of fun and that is kind of what inspired me to do the podcast too so what goes around comes around yeah thank you for asking me to to speak to your podcast friend it's fantastic you're my first guest yes guest one um Oh, I don't know what to do with that honor. I wish I had. I wish I'd planned a costume, but I guess this is all. This is all radio. Yeah. So, <laughs> sadly, sadly, my talents are wasted. <laughs> um, 
Okay, well, what I plan to do with each and every guest who comes on here is I want to know what your first experience with the horror genre was, as far back as you can remember, as many examples as you want to give. Oh, well, it's, um, I feel like I didn't have a sort of that traditional, like, older sibling uh, introduction. And I, I feel like it's traditional only because like the, the most, uh, the biggest fans and those with sort of like these encyclopedic backgrounds and really exciting stories to tell about their experiences have often been introduced uh, to the medium or to the genre through, you know, like a, a trusted, a trusted friend, person, uh, you know, sister, brother, who would also probably scare the shit out of them on a regular basis. Now, I didn't have that, uh, for which I am absolutely grateful. But I did, uh, I did have the theater really early, and uh, the warming glow of the TV helped raise me uh, for sure. So I, I think, in terms of getting familiar with a lot of those sort of stock horror characters or the kid proofed and like parent approved friendly monster characters. Uh, those are the weirdos that I was really excited to watch uh, on television, um, Halloween specials, anything I could sort of gravitate towards in that, you know, holiday range, the best of the holidays, obviously. Um, the tree houses of horror, like my mom was not a Simpsons fan, but uh, exceptions were made uh, for only the best episodes. Um, old Adams family or uh, or the Munsters, you know, that was charming, wholesome. Everybody's a little bit weird, but uh, having a good time. And the 90s had a really good moment uh, for kid-friendly kind of horror-adjacent programming. Uh, Eerie Indiana or Are You Afraid of the Dark? There was There was something for that tween crowd even Sabrina the Teenage Witch which was like largely comedic was uh was super available and introduced you to kind of like the characters you might see in a in a nether realm um you know before you get into the hard stuff like Buffy or <laughs> whatever else the late 90s um had to offer so yeah mostly mostly television uh, and those friendly characters I'd say were my first experiences toe in uh but scary experiences you want to know about scary experiences david yeah uh but uh, i i want to go back to um you mentioned uh theater and plays what what kind of uh what kind of live performances did you see oh uh well this i guess for me uh i say the theater i <laughs> it also kind of includes like the community theater or being a theater creator as a young person uh which you know is not broadway by any stretch um but you you're able to engage with a lot of uh of theater creators and um and i guess in exercises yourself as a young student uh that have you play with uh with monstrous form and and things like that so you would put on you know the self-created halloween play or You'd be putting on some kind of uh, some kind of pageant. I think, though, the first large scale production uh, I was ever treated to was uh, was in Toronto um, was Beauty and the Beast, which not a horror play, but uh, has certainly some horrific elements in it. The Beast is yeah. not a friendly guy, uh, not a guy at all. In fact, <laughs> a beast. 
Uh, and it's terrifying, um, especially in, you know, in the, in the large scale with uh, with the lights out. And it's not the Disney tape. It's not the Disney tape at all. Um, it's it's in your face. It's thunder and lightning. Uh, and then it's intermission. So you, you've kind of you get to digest uh, some of that in, in chunks uh, with the awe of everything else that's going on so it's it's a positive experience um as scared as you might be in the dark with you know 2000 other people y'all kind of scared together you know what my uh, first theater experience was oh what was your first show it was and this was quite later in life because I, I never really got to experience other than like school stuff yes uh, yeah like first one where I actually went out to pay a ticket for uh, it wasn't until um Evil Dead the Musical. <laughs> <gasps> that was, oh, what a great first show. Uh, I'm going to caution you now that a lot of theater isn't that. That was <laughs> truly a, <laughs> an outstanding exception that I think had a few a few runs here for sure. Um, yeah, and, and what a great way to adapt like a classic property. Um, if you if you didn't get to experience the magic of uh of theater tricks and illusions uh, before that would have been the, I guess the, the perfect opportunity to see something like that happen before your your very eyes. Yeah, the stage production on that was fantastic. Uh, I mean, amid the the, the blood sprays, um, but uh, yeah, just just all the uh, little tricks and puppetry they they use and all that. Um, it was a lot of fun. I've seen live stuff since, but that was where I, <laughs> I think I cut my teeth on. No, <laughs> I've that's seen the big as well. It's ideal, ideal for a horror fan. And uh, as someone who myself doesn't love the traditional Broadway musical, I was all about uh, all about that. Because not only was it a fantastic stage play that I used a lot of the same gags and things that you see uh in the films uh it was a musical so, i know <laughs> you really got every, so you really got the full experience i'm glad yeah yeah for sure um yes okay so uh let's hear about your your first scary one um i think things kind of get scarier as you you know you push me on those uh those kids tv shows and and you're finding new material uh all the time and if you don't have someone showing you new material it's kind of really these backwards way that you you might stumble onto scary stuff or onto like the more interesting uh stories if you're a kid who likes to read uh and i was definitely a reader, uh, but I also had the privilege of growing up in in the country, and uh, I guess this isn't everyone's experience, but um, campfire stories were a huge part uh, of what we would do to sort of entertain ourselves, uh, you know, at a sleepover or uh, after after girl guides or or something like that, or in the backyard with uh, with your family or your friends or your neighbors. Um, you tell each other scary stories. Maybe you'd be the one to recite them. I think I had uh, a, a short repertoire, the Bloody Mary, uh, the hook, or lick, 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 stuff, stuff like that. Um, and while those didn't uh, keep me up at night, we certainly did an effective, <laughs> really efficient job of scaring each other half to death uh, in somebody's, in somebody's 
basement, uh, though on screen, the first notable thing that kept me, that kept me up at night, um, I just wasn't expecting it all. It was, it was the late Jim Varney's uh, Ernest series. If you're familiar, <laughs> Ernest Scared Stupid, which you wouldn't think uh, in any film <laughs> history canon would be an important part <laughs> of, uh, of my genre expansion. But there is this, this absolutely horrific like practical effects troll uh, in this goofy ass movie and I mean not to spoil anything but at one point the troll shows up in the bed and is just there when you turn around <laughs> and it ruined me <laughs> to this day I, I will hesitate to turn over in bed <laughs> um, it's that bad so it's uh, that that definitely that stuck with me as a as a first like I'm scared to go to sleep <laughs> <laughs> I after after you told me that earlier, I I tried to look for it. I couldn't find it on any streaming service. Oh, see, that's even scarier. We don't see it's all. Maybe it is so much in my mind. I um I don't think in the last two decades, at least, I don't think I've revisited uh, uh, Criterion. Ernest scared stupid. <laughs> we haven't. <laughs> the criteria yeah, we haven't. Game. We haven't revisited that gem. Uh, so I'll. Uh, I might leave it alone. I don't know if uh, if it's as scary as I remember it in my head. I might I might just leave it there. It might be better as a memory. Yeah, you you watch it now, you you might just kind of just oh, it wasn't as bad as I as I remember. Yeah, exactly. Like ET or <laughs> anything like that. Yeah. I recently uh, rewatched um, Salem's Lot, the original Salem's Lot. And that was my first um, real horror experience. And um, this, yeah, it wasn't as, it was what, a little more talky than I remembered. Um, but uh, the, the scenes I was remembering the most, I was like, ah, okay, I can see the special effects weren't as great. Oh, no, but you mustn't um, look. The TVs have improved so much for the time, I'm sure. But any any amount yeah. of fog and atmosphere, that'll really kick it up 10, 10 plus notches, especially if the lights are out. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean, the scene that got me is the, the, the boy against the glass and tapping it and trying to get to his brother's Fantastic. room. Fantastic. Um, yeah, still, and I just—I'm in a, a Facebook horror group and uh, a Stephen King group, and someone just mentioned that they put that picture up on their post and say, "Oh, this is the part that scared me." It's like, "Yep, that was me too." That, and that, it haunts that, you. That, that it, it haunts you. <laughs> Never let that go. Quite literally, yes. <laughs> oh man, um, when did you really? start to realize you were you were a fan of the genre or was it just like a, a slow that, process oh that this was a thing um i think my tendencies certainly betrayed me long before i would declare myself like a fan of of something because i still didn't really have like a reference point for the sort of material i was into i didn't have a, a peer group that uh was interested in or or sharing the same things i guess um, so a lot of like revisiting the, the objects, the items, the, the images that 
uh, I found, you know, utterly captivating if they were disgusting or if they were a little spooky or just not as as bright and colorful and and as happy as maybe the other 10-year-old girls were <laughs> were gravitating towards um it was in the video store in everyone's favorite like movie warehouse video rental depot uh that we would visit frequently we were treated i think every friday to a couple of of rentals and um a lot of that rental decision making process was based on the on the cover art and before I could yeah, yes yeah before I could rent any of, of what I was truly interested in I was revisiting the cover art for VHS tapes in the back of the video store that I thought were just uh absolutely fascinating I don't know what it was about Angela from the the demons uh, or the night of the demons <laughs> series mm-hmm. Uh, but I was just uh, absolutely captivated by what was going on or like the Evil Dead 2 poster. Um, yeah, these things were just oh, stand out. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah, some of that art was really, really um, graphic. And just, just like you never would see such morbid stuff anywhere else but a video store except maybe the horror section of a bookstore as well yeah some of the pulp covers and some of the other yeah covers of the time beautifully painted like mystery covers things like that but the poster art was all uh had the potential to be very graphic and uh it was almost like a secretive little obsession to have as a kid oh yeah you go pick your movies i'm gonna go over here check this stuff out um you know see yeah. see what i can add to my favorites uh what i can learn what what you know what the video store has or what i'm missing out on uh mostly i think it wasn't long after after this point of obviously displaying a, an interest in some some morbid looking stuff i think the tales from the crypt covers were a favorite um that uh, you know, gently, I was allowed to start renting things on the recommendation of uh, our friendly neighborhood video rental employee. So that was the probably the closest experience That's- I had to the older sibling uh, guidance, gentle guidance into what could otherwise have been a really traumatic dive into the deep end. <laughs> yeah, there would always be like. Um an expert in like a certain genre this man looked the uh, very part yes <laughs> oh, oh did he <laughs> yeah yeah just this classic i well i'll say no more you reader dear reader make up your your own image here <laughs> yeah I, I remember going into um into into the horror sections as a kid um and i would I was too young to be able to rent them at the time, mm-hmm. but I would like I would you know, gaze at the pictures, flip, read the back, and say, "Oh, yep, that does sound pretty scary." Oh yes, the extra but, pictures on man. the back. If you were, yeah, if you chose well, you could yeah. really cash in on some on some <laughs> choice images. Yeah, and it'd be usually images like uh, right right from the movie. Yes. So you usually like one person looking really scared and then the other one is like the demon or the creature or the killer or naked 
or naked. naked. <laughs> this is the other thing is that I recall the the video rental store, the horror section being just like that close to the saloon doors of other like forbidden video yeah. sections. Uh, <laughs> so these were like these were slippery slopes <laughs> for me. I, I was thinking the exact same yeah. thing. It was like, yeah, they were close to the uh, the auto section, Always. weren't they? Always. <laughs> oh man. Um. Doo -doo 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 -doo. What was uh? Any any other ones that you can uh, think of that popped up in your mind at For, an early age? Yeah, some of I guess. Some of the earlier viewing experiences after you know demonstrating like I can handle this I can I can handle the scary stuff um, the adult movies mother um, I think the the first like I'm really into this uh, scary thing to watch was uh, <laughs> there's a made for TV miniseries um, in well I'll date myself I guess 1999 she says. Uh, it was a made-for-TV miniseries that was Stephen King's Storm of the Century, uh, starring uh, the brilliant Colm Fiore, who had recently, I think at that point, done a turn as um, Pierre Elliott Trudeau. So I was familiar with the yeah. actor. You know, I had a face, I had a performance in mind, and then was seeing him in this completely sinister... Uh, it was the devil himself. Like, it was terrifying, and I was so into it yeah that was uh king's first um screenplay uh that was a screenplay first and not a novel i believe it it, it was uh i think it was later adapted from the screenplay into a novel but this was made for tv yes yeah it was made for tv distinct i remembered the quality of it it's one of those things i haven't dared to revisit uh, for fear of <laughs> tarnishing that that memory, um, but I I remember that the I was I was a fan of the format. I was a fan of the miniseries of the made for TV movie uh, that only so few I guess Ontario North channels had. Uh, so it was yeah it was a real it was a real treat. Yeah and. Um... King put out quite a few uh, miniseries. Uh, That's true. Uh, I oh. probably saw more than I would have realized at the time. Uh, and now it's uh, it's kind of a delight going through uh, different anthologies and different shorts, different um, novel adaptations now and seeing, oh, I, I remember, I remember this or, <laughs> oh yeah, this one. Uh, or that's Stephen King too. It's, uh, it's kind of fun. I I don't have the same sort of. I'm not not tired of not tired of King. <laughs> no, I know, and I, I'm sure for many many people, he's he's been the first experience um, of uh, of Absolutely. horror for them. Um, do you have any Do you have any uh, preference in your viewing? Uh, like, do you like uh, Short films, the big budget oh, stuff. Yeah. Um, uh, one of the, I think one of my greatest delights is uh, the shorts programs, um, seeing uh, a collection of anywhere, I don't know, five to 10 short films, three minutes to 25 minutes in length. Um, and 
a lot of it is new newer filmmakers or it's filmmakers who have done stuff we've seen who are just giving us a little side project of theirs uh, and you can get a really great grab bag um, in a in a shorts program so I I will always champion little shorts but uh, I'm a I'm a sucker for an anthology uh, I love you know the tie-in narrative at the end I like seeing how it all comes together if it does uh, sometimes it's just another collection of uh of spooky stories um and uh obviously i guess the novel adaptation uh i'll float towards there's a different quality uh in in those adaptation productions that i i really take to maybe that's the theater kid in me but um and uh and while i really really love uh the large large productions large scale beautifully stylized or you know, expertly composed films, the uh, the smaller, really committed, like big imagination films are almost always going to, to win me or are always going to stay with me in some like haunting way. I might hate it. I might hate the fact that it's staying with me, but it worked. It stayed with me. So <laughs> yeah, sometimes uh, small budget, big brains is where it's at. Yeah, and the the big budget stuff, um, it's it's getting um, it's getting more rare. I feel like there's not a whole lot of directors still doing like a big budget horror film. Um, That's true. I mean, there's just like a handful I can really think of right now that stand out, um, like James Wan, Guillermo del Toro. Um, and of late, um, uh, what's his name? Michael Doherty. Yeah, Michael for sure. I think that, well, Del yeah. Toro is flush with cash and flush with, you know, vision as well. I think you're right. Yeah. It's rare that any, you know, major studio is going to drop uh, a huge amount of money in somebody's lap and say, make a good horror movie or, you know, a summer, summer thriller and, you know, production right now. Um, I think... Uh, I think maybe the time for some of those uh, gigantic scale productions is is coming to an end. It's coming to a change. Certainly, we're not going to see the grand productions that um, that we would have used to, and maybe not the same scale of practical effects. Though, what I can say is, I'm still seeing a lot of really well done practical effects uh on a smaller scale that uh that are still making the genre like you know have like a really good name for itself like it's it's still promoting a lot of good stuff for the horror genre for genre film even if it's not you know a multi-million billion dollar project out of the states so yeah i can say i'm impressed i'm impressed by that still nonetheless Yeah, yeah, uh, uh, me as well. Um, let's see, okay. So I recently watched a uh, documentary uh, called uh, what's it called now? Uh, Journey into Darkness. If I, I, think I think you're right. right. Search for Darkness or and Journey into Darkness. There's search, yeah, fantastic da- compendium. Yeah, yeah. There. Search for darkness. <laughs> Uh, yeah, four and a half hours long. It's what we um, wanted. We don't deserve and, any less. 
we're fine with that. We did, yeah, we can handle it. No, it, it, it was great. It was great. I won part two. <laughs> uh, but uh, one thing I was, I, I saw and never really occurred to me. And I would like to get a uh, point of view from someone of the female perspective. And that's of the term final girl and uh, what the connotations mean to you. Right. Well, it's a tricky one. I think, uh, I mean, I hope it's something that's sort of working its way out of, you know, being that tip of the tongue praise that we we give something for having a, you know, a female forward protagonist or a confrontation that is female driven. I think, um, I think at the time, definitely, well, for the time and, and for uh, the time period that the documentary is referencing, Final Girls were, uh, were, were protagonists that we were, you know, totally rooting for, that we were totally thrilled to see triumphs that were smarter than everybody else in the film. Uh, and they were, they were kicking ass. It was uh, it was totally appropriate uh, for the time, and I think still I really appreciate the acknowledgement of of having a strong underdog character. Uh, but I know, in my viewing preference, I sort of move away from final girling if I can, or for you know I don't really applaud a fish for swimming anymore um but i you know i like seeing where any of the decisions that a filmmaker uh has made are going to take us and where that final confrontation on screen is is going to take us or where it's going to leave us as as viewers is there more is there not um and we we still hold dear a lot of the vulnerable protagonist icons uh of the past and many of whom uh, for, for our pleasure entirely endure unthinkable creative violence on screen um, and are the survivors of the film and are the heroes of the film uh, and they aren't necessarily totally victimized in that. Um, but uh, it's not that I'm not a fan of, of the sexy slashers. There's definitely a place for the, the full frontal uh, and for the torture heavy in my rotation, I, I just think that we're hopefully moving away from the final girl and we're just, you know, we're just, who are our horror survivors? Yeah, yeah, and, and that that's the thing. I mean, the, the term final girl is, you know, it's, it's quite literally the, the last uh, victim or, or uh, supposed victim who turns the tables on the on the killer or escapes them. They don't always turn the table. Sometimes they just are That's lucky right. enough to get away. Or just to bring us to the credits, um, at least. Big yeah, yeah. Uh, Texas Chainsaw Massacre is mm -hmm. the one I think of the most uh, in, in that regard. Um, but what I what I saw in, in, in the documentary is uh, some of uh, the uh, actresses uh, who had been final girls in, in, in films um, kind of took offense, uh, not, maybe not strong offense, but uh, a, a bit of offense to the connotation of it. And like one of them said, you know, in, in my book, it's it's not the final girl, it's the protagonist, or it's 
York. That's it's, right. It's, it's our star. survivor. Uh, it's it's dated itself. I think I think horror is luckily uh, one of those genres that is uh, is endeavoring to kind of push beyond the binary, uh, or is making space for more than uh, you know more than its gendered roles that we've familiar to seeing on screen. So. Um, yeah, maybe, you know, if uh, if in their reflection, they are thinking of uh, being the final girl, maybe wasn't that great. It's uh, it's just growing, hopefully growing with or growing out of of that and uh, into having, you know, who are our final protagonists who are well written, likable, hopefully likable character is what's that final confrontation going to be. So sometimes you're rooting for the villain. It's, it's yeah. It's more complicated now. It's getting more complicated, <laughs> and I, I'm here for it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and it it, it, it does depend on the villain too. I mean, there are some villains who just got so popular, and you know, it didn't matter who he went against. Most of the crowd were, you know, rooting for. Or you're Freddy, or or you're yeah. Jason, or we're the monster and, uh, all along. <laughs> we are the monsters all along. Don't you forget <laughs> it? It's humanity. Um, have you gone to many events or festivals? It feels like, yeah, a the, far the... cry from what all of our recent lives have been, certainly. But um, yeah, I I've had the had the pleasure of going to a number of uh, of local uh, programming functions or or local festivals that uh, that are popping up on the circuit in Toronto uh, that may have counterparts on the west coast as well. Um, it seems the community is uh, is growing and it's mobile um, and it wants to you know share all of its creepy guts with everybody else across the country. So I've. Uh, I've had a lot of fun um, at the midnight madnesses of past in in the TIFF programming and the the former Vanguard programming. A lot of them. That's right, the Toronto, Toronto International Film Festival, uh, which uh, runs annually every September, um, and within its larger programming framework are uh, are short programs. Or excuse me, there are programs for. Midnight Madness uh, genre film, and um, uh, they had another program that has since been absorbed by uh, by Midnight Madness, and those are really large, like audience enthusiasm driven uh, events that are a lot of fun sure. uh, at a big theater in midnight. And um, uh, it's not the only thing that that happens uh, in the city. Of course, we have uh, a lot of fantastic year round venues and uh review cinema that is still uh well i mean hopefully doing well uh still going strong despite the the restrictions that we are all living under right now but um blood in the snow uh finds its home uh at some of the downtown downtown screening houses and toronto after dark uh also finds its home uh sometimes at the royal uh, we have the review cinema and a lot of I've uh, I feel like we've been to a number of uh, collectives that program out of uh, out of the review houses in town. Um, 
for the Laser Blast Film Society, for right. Queer Fear, uh, Rue Morgue Magazine also has Cinema Cobb uh, running out of various uh, screening locations in the city every now and again. Uh, so yeah, there are there are a lot of great screening collectives, uh, local academics putting together um, programs uh, for audiences who are, who are looking for it, uh, which is exciting. Uh, it's really exciting to to go somewhere and and see a sold out house for you know a movie that came out 30 years ago, uh, and you know supporting the rep the rep cinema in town. It's it's so great to see uh, when you get to these theaters and you're you're coming to see an old, older movie, and the cinema just gets packed. Yeah, you know, it's like it, it, it's it's packed to the gills, and they're exactly. all here to see Gremlins. Yeah, as a Christmas know? movie? <laughs> question mark. Yeah, it's fantastic. Yeah. <laughs> um. And yeah, and, and they're really kind of uh, being hit right now but they're 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 trying to endure they're doing like online screening parties uh which you can donate to the, the theater uh the review is uh selling concession stand popcorn and snacks between like six and nine That's or right. something yeah. in, in the evenings uh, so uh yeah i think it's important that we uh, support them as best we can so they are still around when this uh the restrictions are lifted a bit and we can yeah, actually go back into absolutely. the theater um have you played are any you scary games kidding me? Yeah. <laughs> i am uh i'm a big baby i think is the reveal that the <laughs> your fan base was really waiting for here uh is i'm a total scaredy cat and <laughs> While I um, I really like to play games, I really like to watch scary movies. A lot of it I prefer 100% to be a co-viewing, co-gaming, uh, co-gaming experience. Oh, that's right. Oh, yeah. yeah, I'm not sitting alone in the dark <laughs> playing uh, whatever layers of fear or something. Um, that's a that is a partnered activity, friend, um, because the scary potential is huge too huge i just i just downloaded layers of fear too they were um they were giving away a free oh, copy fantastic. on the epic game store uh, I, I you, oh, if you haven't played the yeah. first then you know give yourself prepare yourself spooky art time is is all i have to say uh about okay. that so i yeah. i don't uh i'm not actively playing a lot of games but i am really interested in uh in what folks have game wise or what they think they can introduce to me that i'll a understand uh and b not be too afraid to try i think um my favorite horror game is uh is dread it's uh it's a you know a role-playing light uh you have a, a game master who sort of walks you through your horrific scenario uh and you are playing with a jenga tower so you and your party uh yes right i could oh. feel the terror um as you're playing uh in order to make any sort of actions or inquiries you have to make a pull from the tower which uh 
in addition to being like kind of spooky stuff in the dark like it's really tense uh and if it falls you die yeah it's an anxiety driven yeah or a nightmare um that uh you and all your friends can have a blast uh have a blast playing <laughs> i mean jenga is much more scary 100%. than dice yeah than rolling dice yeah <laughs> Um, is there anything you'd like to see uh, in the future from the genre? Um, in terms of, I guess, the future for the genre or what I want out of the genre for my future is kind of muddled right now as things are as are yeah. on hold, but it is hasn't necessarily stopped uh, creators creating. And uh, I mean, this is a whole other you know, age of anxiety uh, and fear or uncertainty that I'm sure we're going to see <laughs> exploited uh, in a lot of post-pandemic uh, films, um, claustrophobic themes, things like that. Yeah. But I think, I think right now, uh, and kind of in having a period of reflection and uh, for what we what we like and and what we want to maintain, I think is going to be driven a lot by audiences uh, and audiences like recognizing the notable contributions of their favorite performers. Uh, and if we have time to do anything right now, it's definitely to look at some of our favorite things. So I, I think it'll continue uh, the trend and the upswing of like having a lot of programming that um, that's offering a lot of nice sort of accessible uh, positive critical analysis to to audiences that that care about the films that they're watching and they they care about their favorites uh, and uh, they want to share that with um, you know with other audience members just to keep it alive. Uh, so I'm I'm optimistic that it'll continue uh, and that's all I can ask of it for the for the future of the genre. I just want to see people that have put their heart and soul into it, have their contributions recognized. And I want everybody to be able to celebrate those contributions uh, together. That's my, that's my very cheery, like out, <laughs> outlook for the, for the genre mm -hmm. of the future. Yeah. Um, I think here we're starting to see a, uh, a change in horror. Um, it's, it seems to be really hitting the mainstream I mean, it's always been in the mainstream, but also mm -hmm. on the fringe as well. But of late, we've really been blessed with a lot of um, uh, buzz, especially around television shows. Yeah, it's or, exciting. Or it's exciting shows. to be excited uh, about TV again. Yeah, yeah, exactly. With with the the recent uh, haunting films uh, like uh, um, Bly Manor and. Uh, um, on, that's uh, right yeah, yeah. haunted hill uh yeah um and then with jordan peele's contributions to television um and the stuff that he's doing is people are talking about and getting a lot of buzz and um i i, I see like oh like the uh some stephen king adaption being you know number one on netflix yeah, or, or horror seems to be um being embraced by the mm -hmm. masses I would a agree bit with that more. 100% and uh, I couldn't be more thrilled I don't think it will make everything <laughs> I 
more watchable for me solo, but it's good to know that there are, are more people out there who are like checking under <laughs> their beds at night before they go to sleep. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, well, any last words no, you'd I'm, like I'm to say? I'm just so glad that you're, uh, that you're able to put out your, you know, your fandom out there. Uh, your opinion, your your take on on what's good or what's not good. It's uh, I think the more voices that we have, and hopefully diversifying some of the content and some of the takes on content um, is uh, is a really good move right now. Uh, and I'm just uh, yeah, thanks for having me on. Once again, I'd like to thank Emma for taking time out of her busy schedule to come onto my podcast and talk about and reflect on some of the things that excited her about the horror genre. Always a pleasure to talk to her. And if you also notice, I have a new intro to the podcast, and you'll find out in a few seconds an outro as well. Uh, I'd like to thank my other friend, Greg for producing that and uh, lending me his musical talents. Uh, very generous of him to do that for me. Uh, thanks a lot, Greg. So that's going to do it for this episode. I'll try to get the next one up sooner rather than later. I was a little delayed on this one because uh, of scheduling conflicts and whatnot. But um, I should have the next one up within a few days. So until then... Have a horrific evening. Um.